That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein, but sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better for you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome to the very first episode of Balanced Black Girl for 2019. I am so glad that it is a new year. If you listen to my 2018 recap podcast, uh, you probably know that I was definitely itching for a fresh start, that 2018 was very eventful. And I was pretty ready to move on to the next one. And we are now a week into 2019. And we're just really hitting the ground running. Before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to talk to you about intentions and resolutions. So recently, I attended an event that was put on by uh, my friends Anna and Brittany, which by the way, Brittany has been a previous guest on the podcast. If you go back a couple of episodes, she was our guest for our Cultivating Self-Love Through Strength Training episode, and she is wonderful. Uh, but they had a really fun event here in Seattle that was part workout, part intention setting for 2019. And Anna led us through the intention setting segment, and she said a lot of really, really wonderful things that truly resonated with me. And I wanted to kind of share my interpretation of that with you in hopes that it helps you as well. So the first thing that she shared that I really, really loved was she was talking about resolutions and her own experience with resolutions and how in the past she almost saw resolutions as kind of a punishment where, you know, 
she would do a dry January only if maybe she had had a bit too much to drink over the holiday season and had some not so flattering moments and kind of wanted to almost punish herself for it. Or, you know, how we often feel like, okay, we really need to get our fitness on. We really need to eat clean. We need to do a whole 30. We need to do whatever because we felt like we overindulged and we feel like we were bad and need to kind of course correct. And how often we create goals and resolutions out of wanting to quote unquote fix ourselves when we feel like we mess up or when we feel like we come short. And I think that's a big part of the reason why so many people have a hard time keeping up with resolutions is because we're creating resolutions out of a place of fear. We're creating resolutions out of a place of almost self-loathing where we beat ourselves up over what we did wrong or what we didn't do right the year before and we vow that we're going to fix it but we do it from a really negative place almost berating ourselves with the goals that we set and she walked us through an exercise where we listed out our intentions of the year but we framed it as what we were letting go of in the new year and that really really resonated with me because I have also set resolutions just like the ones she talked about just like I'm sure many of the resolutions that many of you have set where I say okay I'm gonna eat clean or I'm gonna work out five days a week or this is gonna be the year that I do xyz for my business but I'm doing it from a place of well I ate too much over the holidays or well I was lazy last year and that's why I'm not as successful as I want to be but instead of focusing on trying to get something that we feel like we're lacking really placing that focus on letting go of things that are no longer serving us. And I think that is going to be a really big theme for me personally this year that I would love to share with you in case that resonates with you. So we walked through this exercise where we listed out what we were going to let go of in 2019. And for me, I chose to let go of timelines and feeling like I'm not where I'm supposed to be in my life. I am the queen of beating myself up over what I haven't done or where I'm supposed to be or what I haven't achieved. And at the very, very end of 2018 and very like first couple of days of 2019, I was really beating myself up about this because I turned 30 this year, which is a little, a little terrifying. I'm turning 30 this summer. Um, And it's terrifying because in a lot of ways, I'm just still not quite where I want to be in my life. I, you know, haven't yet hit the strides professionally that I would like to see myself have. My personal life isn't, you know, where I quote unquote thought I should be by the time I I turn 30. And, you know, even though my birthday isn't until later in the year, you know, life only moves so fast. So I know that I am not going to be this magical new person uh, by the time my birthday rolls around and that I really need to let go of these imaginary timelines that I put on myself and that, you know, no, no joke, society puts on us as well. We don't completely come up with these timelines and these ideas out of nowhere. Um, a lot of it can be as a result of external pressures as well that I know I've certainly felt. So if you feel that way, you are not alone. But just really letting go of that because, you know, timelines that I put on myself or pressures that other people put on me to get married or buy a house or do this or do that, 
those things just don't matter if it's only rooted from a place of fear, if it's only rooted from a place of shoulds. And I have been holding on tight to the shoulds for so long that my resolution for this year is to really let go of those shoulds and to let go of kind of that clutter that has been holding me back mentally and to really create space for the life that I truly want and that I'm truly working towards. And there are so many, you know, wonderful things that I want out of my life that I would love to see happen this year. But if I'm so caught up in the weeds and in the shoulds and in the clutter, I don't even have space to receive those blessings or to let those changes happen. So really my intention for this year is to really let go of the timelines, let go of the shoulds, let 30 come with my arms wide open. Ooh, y'all, it still freaks me out a little bit. Um, And to really create space for the changes that I would like to see. And I just wanted to share that with you because I thought that it was a really refreshing take on resolutions and goal setting for the new year that doesn't, you know, feel cheesy. It doesn't induce an eye roll. But I think we're all walking around with things that are not serving us and that we could really be in such a more peaceful, positive place if we learn how to let go of those things. So huge thanks to uh, my friend Anna for leading us through that exercise. Uh, I will also tag her in the show notes, both her and Brittany, so that you can give them a follow. They're two really great fitness gals and they have just amazing content around fitness and and health and happiness. And uh, I always love sharing good content. So I'll make sure they're linked in the show notes. So if this resonated with you, I would love if you hit me up, uh, maybe on Instagram, sent me a message or went to at Balance Black Girl podcast and sent us a message or left a comment letting us know what you plan on letting go of this year, if that resonated with you. So with that, I would love to get into today's interview. Today's interview is going to be all about diversity in the nutrition field, something that is incredibly, incredibly important. This topic is also one that on a personal level hits pretty close to home for me because one of the things Deanna and I really talked about were the barriers to access for people to work in the nutrition field and what that looks like. And in the episode, we're going to talk a bit more about what that looks like, about why the nutrition field isn't diverse and what's preventing those who are maybe in ethnic or racial minority groups from becoming a part of the nutrition field and Honestly, the things that she was talking about were exactly why I personally chose not to pursue the nutrition field any further. Um, If you remember from episode one, one of the fun facts I shared was that I started the process to become a dietitian and ended up changing course or changing direction just because of resources. Because of the amount of resources it took, um, it just, it wasn't a feasible decision for me. And we talk a lot about that and about... um, what can be done and how their organization is really helping students and also helping educators diversify the field. And we also talk about what's at stake if we don't diversify the field, which is really important because by now in 2019, we all know how important it is to eat a healthy, nourishing diet. But compared to almost any other area of wellness, what we eat has a direct, direct cultural tie to our cultural identity. And if you have a field that is kind of prescribing one size fits all or that only represents one kind of person, 
it's going to be really, really hard to really reach and connect with patients in a way that is truly needed. So Deanna and I had a really great conversation about that, a really great conversation around what the field can do better. We learned a lot about the amazing things her organization is doing, and I am so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Joining me for today's show, I have Deanna Bellany, co-founder of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Diversify Dietetics aims to increase diversity in the field of nutrition by empowering students and young professionals from underrepresented minority groups to join the next generation of nutrition experts. Deanna is a registered dietitian and public health practitioner living in Boston. She completed her bachelor's degree, dietetic internship, and master's degree in Houston, Texas, and is a Texas girl who loves nutrition, public health, and tacos. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Very true. All very true statements. I know. I wanted to include all that because I'm like, you know, me too. too. (laughs) But I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you. You know, when I learned about Diversified Dietetics, I was like, this is incredible. I, I need to have these ladies on the show. Yeah. I, I really admire the work that you and your co-founder do. It's so needed and so incredibly important. Uh, but before we dive into that, I would love for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. Um, so can you tell us where you're from and how you became interested in nutrition? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm from Texas, as you just said. My uh, family's in San Antonio, um, but I spent, I guess, the last like 10 years of my life until moving uh, to Boston and Houston. Um, So that's what I call home. Um, I got interested in nutrition. It's actually a really weird story because I started college as a journalism major. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into like a, you know, your advisor, I was talking to her before the um, classes started. And she was like, I don't know if she was having a bad day, but she was like, this is a dying business. You need to get out while you still can. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, So then I just like, I had the first semester as a journalism major. And I was just kind of thinking through that semester, like, what else am I really interested in? And I actually saw a TV show. Um, I don't know what it was called. It was in in London kind of the summer before I started school. And it was about these two women. Um, They were quote unquote nutrition nannies is like the best way I can describe it because they moved into this woman's house who was kind of dealing with um, a lot of chronic health issues. She was dealing with depression. She had like, you know, discolored nails and kind of things growing in weird places. And um, they worked with her and kind of helped her develop healthier habits, kind of eat better, um, start moving uh, more. And that was kind of the first time where I realized like the connection between food and just overall wellness in your body. And so I was just like, yeah, that's really interesting that how food can have that big of an impact on you. So um, I changed my major to nutrition. I went to the University of Houston and so it worked out well because it was um, an accredited program. So um, from there kind of knew that's what I wanted to do and kind of got involved in a lot of community nutrition um, volunteer work and kind of found my, uh, found my sweet spot, I guess, like the spot where I was having a great time doing what I was doing and just like feeling like I was making um, an impact or at least trying to. So yeah, that's how it all started. Love that. And for you, was there a specific moment or instance where you realized the nutrition field was not as diverse as it needs to be to adequately represent and serve our population here in the U.S.? And if so, what was that realization and when did it happen? Yeah. Uh, um, so I think 
in, in my program, at least, I kind of knew that there was kind of a quote-unquote stereotype of what a dietitian was. Yeah. Um, and people kind of talked about their personality and how it was very type A and usually you know, a blonde white woman is usually the person coming to you um, that you're getting nutrition advice from. So I had heard those things, but, you know, Houston is pretty diverse. And the school that I went to, University of Houston, um, in particular, is as well. And so um, I think the first time I saw it was when I started my dietetic internship. And I was at a rotation doing um, kind of food service for the largest um, school district in Houston. And uh, we were with a bunch of other interns as well from different programs. And I kind of looked around, we were all having lunch and I was just like, okay, I'm I'm noticing a trend at how everybody kind of looks and um, kind of those same personality characteristics that were described um, when people talk about the stereotype of a dietitian. So that was my first, um, had the realization that like, okay, yeah, this is, this is true. This is real. Like, and um, you know, it can definitely be a, a disservice to the clients that we serve if, if it's not, you know, uh, representing uh, the diverse population that we have in the U.S. So that was my first realization of it. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think it is so important that the nutrition and dietetics field become more diverse and representative of our population as a whole? Like, what's at stake if that doesn't happen? That's a good question. I um, We did a a blog about this kind of when we were first getting started, because a lot of people were asking like, oh, you know, doesn't um, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, uh, which is kind of the the organization for um, dietitians and nutrition professionals, don't, don't they do a lot of work around this? And, you know, our answer, of course, was yes, but we need as many hands on deck as possible because, you know, the stats for our profession, I think right now it's around 11% um, are considered themselves a, a racial um, or ethnic minority. The rest um, are white. And so, um, we kind of looked at it from two lenses, of course, for the patients, you know, we're in this work where we're wanting to serve our patients. Um, and it's just, you know, a lot of research is out there around kind of the better care that, um, someone who identifies with that patient can provide. Um, there's just like a common language understanding of trust, um, that you have when, you know, you look like, um, look like your, um, practitioner, you look like the doctor or physician, you know, it's not just in dietetics, but kind of in the health profession as a whole. Um, And so um, even just teaching, so I'm kind of doing community nutrition um, when I was in Texas and just seeing kids respond differently when you talk to them in the language that they're used to hearing at home, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, trying to teach these lessons and they're like, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Just being able to connect culturally is just so important Um, and we'll end up in having a better care for the patient. So there's that. Um, and then on the other side of things, we kind of looked at things from a student and practitioner perspective and just um, having a diverse workplace or a work environment um, really provides opportunity to challenge what the status quo is and leaves room for growth and improvement in our profession. And so just kind of on all fronts, it's important. Um, but at the core of it, you know, like I said, we're, we're in this for our patients. And so we, if you have to think about, about them and how important um, their care is. So. Yeah, a lot at stake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I mean, I think that that's so important, especially with something like nutrition that involves food that is so closely mm-hmm. tied to cultural identity and where people yeah. come from. I mean, that that just adds another factor where other, you know, other medical fields may not necessarily have that deep of involvement in one's culture. 
That's such a good point. And Tamara did an article um, with Self Magazine where she kind of talked about, you know, for a long time, healthy, healthy eating has been kind of viewed through this Eurocentric lens. And you think it's this like, you know, you have your chicken, your mm -hmm. broccoli, and you have your brown rice. Like that's what healthy eating looks like. But there's so many other cultures that have, you know, healthy food is integrated into all these different cultures. And you have to, as a dietitian, do your research and kind of recognize that. And, and, and it's a disservice if you're prescribing kind of a one size fits all diet to your patients when, yeah, like you said, there's so much involved with food and culture and kind of um, people's just life. Um, so that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have to link that article in the show notes yes, too, because I've read it. Um, I think I actually, I think I shared it in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago too, but oh, nice. for more people to see it, because I, I did read that article and it was really, really good. Um, so can you tell us how Diversify Dietetics came to be, the backstory for the organization, and how you and your co-founder, uh, Tamara, teamed up to cre create this amazing community? Yes. Um, so it's really funny because me and Tamara just met for the first time face to face in October. Oh, and <laughs> it was just like, I felt like I knew her, of course, because we talk so often. And we see each other. We do a lot of Zoom calls. And um, so we met over Instagram. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of, um, of course, like scrolling on Instagram. I saw a video from um, Food Heaven Made Easy, uh, mm -hmm. Wendy and Jess. And I think um, Wendy had maybe done a talk at a school and was talking about just kind of diversity in the classroom and how... Um, you know, we need to keep working on diversifying our field because, you know, uh, when we were both in school, um, it was not so diverse. And I think things are getting um, better, but not at, at a pace that, you know, um, yeah, we can, we can definitely keep doing better. So um, I had uh, seen that and I sent her a message like, oh, I'm looking to do some mentorship, you know, for students because I think that this is an important point. Like, I want to help diversify the field. Um, you know, would love to hear your thoughts about it. And so she sent me a message back and was just like, yeah, absolutely. But you should definitely connect with Tamara. So um, I slid Tamara's DMs, sort of speak, and was just like, hey, I heard um, that you're doing some work around diversifying the field of dietetics. Like, let's talk. Um, and so we call each other kind of the week after and it was just unreal how similar ideas we had. Um, my partner and her partner as well are in the business community. And there's an organization called MLT, Management Leaders for Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and it really works with, um, they have a bunch of programs at, at different levels, but it, it works with students who are interested in, in joining the business community, kind of get from student to that C-suite level. So building up leadership skills and kind of coaching um, and getting them into business school specifically was what my partner was working on. So she brought up that organization and was kind of describing how we wanted to do that. But for our field, and I was like, I've had that exact same thought. Like my partner right now is going through the program and like we've had this conversation, like we need something like this for dietetics where you're kind of providing people with skills and resources and recognizing barriers that they might have um, and then effectively getting them through it. At the same time, you're building a network, um, kind of, you know, linking them up with people in leadership positions. So it's just like all around an awesome program that really, um, I feel like made, made a difference in, um, in my partner's life. So I, I definitely understood that. And so she, once we've had that kind of reference, it was just like, oh yeah, this is, we're meant to work together. This yeah. is meant to be. Um, so yeah, we started just having meeting after meeting, kind of figuring out what it would look like. Our first um, kind of plan was getting surveys out to kind of see what the community wanted. Um, we really pride ourselves Ourselves on like calling this a community. It's not about Tamara and Deanna. It's about the diversified community and all the people that are dedicated to the same 
same mission. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how things got started, which was crazy. So then at Fincy, we did a whole bunch of stuff and, and that's when we were able to meet finally face to face. I love that. And I think yeah. actually when Fency happened, I think that was when I found Diversified Dietetics because oh, I, nice. I know Wendy and Jess and love them yeah. and always follow what they're doing. And, and they were posting from Fency and started posting about y'all and the work that you do. And I was like, that was right when I was starting the podcast and I was like, oh, I need to get, <laughs> I need to hop on this, like follow, message, DM. I need yeah. To- they are so amazing. <laughs> um, and just like just the best, best two women. I, uh, I think that diversify would not be here without them. So definitely big thanks to them. Um, and they were able to be on a panel that, uh, we did, um, about diversity in media. So it was a really cool, um, cool week in general. So, yeah. Love that. And one of the things that you had mentioned just now, were just, um, helping students overcome barriers or obstacles, maybe if they're in an underrepresented group, when it comes to working in the nutrition field, what are some of these barriers that, that some of these students or young people who want to work in nutrition may be facing and, and how, how do they overcome them or how do we help them overcome them? One of the big things is um, the financial burden, mm-hmm. the field. So I don't, I don't know if your listeners, you like the, the process to becoming a dietitian is like kind of confusing and very long. Um, and I know, yeah, you mentioned that you looked at dietetics um, in one of your earlier podcasts. And so mm-hmm. you um, get your nutrition degree. Um, you have to go to a uh, program that will give you kind of a verification statement. Um, it has to be accredited. Um, so after that, then you can apply for, um, typically people will apply for an internship. Um, the internship is really competitive. Uh, a lot of sites only have maybe like 10 to 15 spots. Mm-hmm. Um, some have more, um, but, or some have less. So it's, it's just very competitive and there's definitely a bottleneck at kind of the group of people that are nutrition students and the group of people that become dietitians um, because of that dietetic internship. And then once you're in the internship, it's basically a full-time job. So you are doing your rotations. Um, most of the programs are probably about an academic one, one academic year. Um, some are two, if you want to get a master's with it. Um, there's a couple shorter programs, but um, you are not working because you're at your rotation sites all day from usually like an eight to five kind of day. Um, and so, yeah, just there's a big financial burden because you're not getting paid for any of this work most of the time. Some sites do give stipends, but yeah, you're not getting paid for this work. So you have to be able to kind of live and support yourself without that. Um, the time commitment, kind of like I said, the process can, can be hard because if you don't match that first time, then, you know, you're waiting till um, kind of the next round of matches to try again. You have to do all these applications. Um, each school wants different things sometimes. You have to take your GRE. So there's just a lot of finance, like a lot of money involved with kind of getting to the um, end goal of becoming a dietitian. So I think financial is really a big one. Um, And then the added thing of being a person of color is that sometimes in this space, because it is um, not very diverse, you get um, unfortunate times, you know, unfortunate circumstances where there's preceptors or professionals that, um, gosh, I don't even know how to say this correctly, but just maybe might be, have a bias or Mm -hmm. a racist um, that just don't treat you fairly. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, we had at our that same educators workshop. Um, there's a dietitian. Um, his name is Michael, and he's leaving the profession because you know he's a man, a man of color. He's a black man, so that's even more rare um, in the dietetic world. You know, yeah. it's largely made of women. 
And so, you know, he's kind of like this unicorn, um, but all, a lot of his pre preceptors were like, oh, you're not going to make it. I'm just saying really demeaning things. And so you have to deal with this added emotional burden of trying to prove yourself constantly because um, people are like, what are you doing in this space? Um, so like, you, like, yeah, like you don't belong in the field, like you're occupying the space that you don't belong in. And so um, that on top of kind of the time, like I said, the burden of the finances um, is a lot. And so... I think those are the the major things that that people have to deal with and I think the best way to get the best way I guess to overcome some of those obstacles I think is finding a community I think that was one of the, the big reasons we wanted to start diversify dietetics because it just even being able to vent like oh, I just got back from this rotation and you know so and so keeps looking at me sideways and I don't know why like I feel like I'm doing my work but is it good enough just having someone to maybe validate like you're doing your best like, mm -hmm. keep going you got this is so helpful um and yeah, so just finding a community, linking up with us or people in your city um, is, is, a, is a big help. Um, and then we are hoping to provide, you know, more resources. If you go to our website, you can see resources for students, for professionals, um, but also for educators, because we recognize that they make it possible for students to get from, you know, that phase of um, a student to becoming a dietitian. They are um, the gatekeeper, so to speak, of the pathway. And so we want them to be equipped at recognizing biases that they may have because we recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, it's a, it's a field that is not so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe they don't know these, these implicit or explicit biases that they have. Um, and then once they recognize it, doing something about it. Um, so using our resources, I think, is also a great way to help students from the educator side um, as well. I love that. And I love that what you do with Diversify Dietetics, and we will definitely have the website information linked in the show notes. When you go to the website, there's resources, yes, for those students who want to be a part of the nutrition field, but also there's diversity trainings for people who are making hiring decisions, for educators. There's information for if you're currently a practicing RD, how you can mentor someone else. I think that that's such an important point because it yeah. really in order to diversify the space, it's not just up to the students who want to be a part of it. The space needs to be ready, open, and welcoming for them as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, like I said, our, our educator workshop, I keep kind of bringing up, but it was just like great to see. Um, we're a really young organization. So me and Tamara started in around April. Mm -hmm. um, so to see, you know, people being very receptive, educators signing up for our workshop, kind of trusting us to be, to, to, to offer it and kind of be the guinea pigs for our very first one. It went off great. Um, but just the diverse, um, schools represented and people represented was just amazing to see, um, that people are wanting to, to, to make a change. There's, there's people that are wanting to make a change from, um, within the field. So just, yeah, we hope to be that link that helps it, helps make it happen. Absolutely. And something else that you touched on that I think is really interesting, I hadn't really considered before was also just the diversity in terms of gender, because mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have friends that are dietitians and I know a few and, and I mean, they are all women and it is pretty rare to see a male nutrition professional, um, yeah. especially, you know, a black man, a man of color in the nutrition field, I think it adds another layer to to expanding on that diversity. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, we did a month of um, men of color, like a spotlight, our RDN spotlights we have um, on our blog and we focused solely on men of color. And so it was just amazing to see all the, um, the different, 
I guess, things that they're doing and just great to highlight because um, representation is so important and it really matters and makes a difference. And so I agree. Yeah. Like I said, they're, they're the unicorns of our, uh, <laughs> of our profession. Yeah. But it, it is really so important, especially for the ones that are like public health facing when you mm-hmm. are really trying to help all different types of people. It, it's so important to have all those populations represented. Absolutely. Yeah. So Diversify Dietetics also just launched a podcast, which yes. is so exciting. We are all about that here. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the show, what to expect from it, what's coming up? Yes. So our podcast is called Feed Me the Facts. Um, and the hope is really just to make the pathway kind of less confusing for students, um, to talk about real professional things that go on um, as a dietitian of color for those professionals. Um, so feeding the podcast, the main thing that we really want is just to continue to build our community, but pro- to provide resources. And we have topics for students, like for example, we did one about not matching to the dietetic internship. Um, and originally the platform was on kind of a Facebook, but we wanted to be able to reach more audiences. So we transferred it into a podcast. And yeah, it's just kind of making things less confusing, um, providing a community, kind of reassuring people that there are other people out there with you that are going through some of the similar things. Um, And then building on people's skills. Um, Their first one highlighted open houses. It's kind of that time of the year where dietetic internships are um, doing open houses. So you talk about professionalism, what to wear, what to bring. yeah, we really just want to give people the real information that can sometimes be hard to find in one place. So we want to be that one place. Love that. Love that. And we'll definitely have the show linked as well so that everyone can subscribe and, and yes. to feed me the facts. Because I also love that name. I think that that's awesome. <laughs> We love our, our food puns. So. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. So Deanna, on a more personal note, um, a big reason why I started this podcast kind of created the Balanced Black Girl platform was largely inspired from my own experiences working as a black woman in the fitness industry and feeling really underrepresented, underappreciated just on a personal and professional level. So have you had similar experiences as a black woman working as a dietitian? And if so, what has that been like for you? Yeah, so my, was it my, my second FINCI, so FINCI is the Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo. Um, it's like the big conference that a lot of the nutrition and dietetic professionals go to. So I had um, been to one before when I um, was a new dietitian, but I, my second one was in Boston. And it was definitely an eye-opening experience is when I, when I noticed that there's a big problem outside of like um, people of color not really be represented, just of people's thoughts around dietitians of color. So I um, had gone to the kind of the conference floor, which is an area where there's just a bunch of different vendors. They're usually handing out recipes or free food, things like that. Um, And I was in line kind of waiting to get some free food because that's usually what you do um, (laughs) on the conference floor. Gotta love it. Um, And I was standing with another colleague of mine who was also... um, a dietitian of color and a lady kind of turned around like she kept doing like a double take um, and staring at us and she was just like oh I'm sorry um, there's just not that many of you here and so me and her looked at each other and we're like what is she talking about like not that many dietitians like this is a conference specifically for dietitians um, she's like yeah there's just not that many you know black dietitians here and I was just like oh okay like what's your point? Like, why are you telling me this? Um, And then she just went about her business. So it was just kind of a weird microaggression kind of thing. 
Yeah. Like, why are you here? Um, is kind of how I took it. Um, and then that same conference, I think the next day, I was reading through, through poster sessions. And there was a poster that a um, white professor had done about um, kind of looking at barriers to why your program um, maybe might not be as diverse um, and kind of looking at ways to address barriers to get more students um, of color into your program. And I was standing reading it like, oh, this is very interesting. Um, and there was a white woman standing next to me kind of doing the same. And so she made a comment um, to the poster presenter and said, you know, I had um, an African an American student in my class last year and she didn't pass her RD exam so I just don't know um, and the RD exam again is like another step that dietitians have to take before you can um, become a dietitian after mm -hmm. you finish your internship and, and you know just as many <laughs> I, I, I believe that I don't I don't know if she just didn't see me or or what it was but I locked eyes with her and was just like waiting for her to say something or apologize but she was like oh are you a dietitian Again, at a dietetic conference, but I was just like, yes, I am. Um, so then she just walked away. So <laughs> that was when I was just like, so are there educators out here that are purposely not wanting to admit students because they don't fit X, Y, and Z stereotype? Mm -hmm. um, so it was just a really eye-opening experience for me yeah. um, and made me mad, <laughs> but at the same time, just really energized me to want to do something. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when the idea of Diversify started because I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, provide a resource so that students could feel prepared going into these internships. So there was no reason for someone to say, oh, well, they didn't do X, Y, and Z. Um, but on the other hand, also educate uh, um, those that are the gatekeepers, those educators, and, and show them that, you know, there are people of color, there are white people that don't pass the RD exam. It's not the, um, it's not like just, um, you know, whatever her bias was telling her. So yeah. um, that was definitely a, a moment where I realized something needed to happen to, to kind of change and, and shift things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Honestly. And, and those experiences just sound super uncomfortable. And yeah, I mean, I know, I think for a lot of us, we all kind of have our version of those moments that are cringeworthy where you're like, mm -hmm. really, did somebody really just say that or just do that? But it, you know, it's when things like that happen that can be just the thing that will def defer someone from not wanting to, to even be a part of the field or to even be a part of something in general. And that's what is, is really, really unfortunate about microaggressions and scenarios like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you, you have to have so much resilience sometime and yeah, it, like I said, it's, it, it can be emotionally taxing. Yeah. And like you said, people could just decide that they don't want to deal with that and kind of, do something else, but mm -hmm. the, the representation is definitely needed. Um, so yeah, it's it's crazy. I almost like was just so shocked. I didn't know what to say in the moment. So mm -hmm. it was just like, what? Where is yeah. this coming from? Who? Is, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I think in that situation, I wouldn't know what to say either. It's like, <laughs> did that really just happen? Right. Oh my goodness. Um, so also on a personal note, for you, you are a very busy woman. I could imagine. <laughs> Um, you work at Harvard Medical School. You're also running this incredible nonprofit organization um, where you do a lot of work, a lot of kind of service-oriented work that is also very focused on other people and on helping others. So how do you personally recharge, take care of your own health? What does self-care look like for you? Yeah, um, that's really hard because, you know, 
when I'm not being like productive or trying to stay busy, I, I for whatever reason get you know, really mad at myself. I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but like mm -hmm. I, I'm too hard on myself sometimes when I'm not, you know, constantly moving. Um, and so I'm really trying to relearn how to not <laughs> be mad at myself for, for silly things like that. But I've really started to just like sit still sometimes, like light some candles, just get on my couch and just sit in silence. Mm -hmm. um, I can consider myself like pretty social and I like being out with friends and family and, and things, but I've really started to like enjoy my alone time lately. Mm. Um, so I think that's one of the things I've started to do for self-care by like some, some bath and body works <laughs> candles, <laughs> three wick candles and just like light them, sit down, listen to some music, um, maybe watch some TV, um, and then just kind of recharge. Like it's just very re-energizing. Um, and then it just like gives me time to kind of reassess what I want to do with the rest of my day or night. Um, so yeah, that's what I've enjoyed doing lately. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. I, in a lot of ways, self-care has become really trendy and kind of a commodity of like, you mm -hmm. need to buy all these things or do all these fancy things. And sometimes it's like, actually, I just need time by myself to recenter myself. And mm -hmm. that is self-care. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't have to be a whole, you know, retreat to a spa. Yeah. You can literally be <laughs> in the comforts of your bedroom. Exactly. Exactly. And honestly, I think that that can be more impactful than feeling like self-care is this thing that you have to go out externally and, and find. Yeah. And I'm loving that, you know, people um, like yourself are bringing the, the topic up and kind of really thinking about it, thinking about, are they taking care of their selves? Um, because, you know, if, if you don't take care of yourself, it's hard for you to serve others as well. So it's important for sure. It's really important. And I think especially, you know, working in spaces like what you're working in, mm -hmm. in really mm -hmm. trying to diversify a field, that is that is hard work where yeah. you're helping people who are battling kind of hard taxing, you know, as you said, kind of emotionally draining barriers, recharging yourself, especially when you're trying to be at the forefront of change is so important. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for the diversified dietetics community because I feel like, you know, like you said, it can sometimes be overwhelming. And so just being able to see people's stories and kind of their praise report, so to speak, or just the things that are going well, um, through the, through the community of Facebook or on Instagram, you can kind of just scroll and see all those um, positive things happening um, and just like get re-motivated all over again. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's kind of along the same lines. What does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? I think it's, it's always a work in progress, for sure. <laughs> I know for me. Um, <laughs> At, at finding kind of that midpoint. So I think, yeah, being balanced, um, a being balanced black girl is finding that midpoint between, you know, being able to create time for things that you love to do, that you need to do, kind of um, putting yourself as a priority um, mm -hmm. is, is how, you know, I would say it, it's easy to find, find, find balance. Um, but like I said, it's always a work in progress for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we're all a work in progress in that area. And I mean, I think especially for black women in particular, making ourselves a priority is mm -hmm. really hard because we are conditioned yeah. to not. <laughs> right. We're conditioned to think that everyone else is our priority to take care of. And so being able to take care of ourselves is we're all a work in progress, I think. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So 
I would love to hear what is next for Diversify Dietetics, you know, especially such a young organization. You've done so much in sh- such a short amount of time, which is incredible. What should we be on the lookout for in the future? So like you said, we have our podcast that just dropped. So continue to subscribe and comment and rate um, for that. Feed me the facts. Um, and then lastly, kind of like I said, our, our um, organization that we're kind of modeled after is called MLT. And so they have these programs where they have a group of students that they kind of um, work with for a year to get them prepared for whatever the next step is for them um, professionally. And so um, we are wanting to do something similar. Um, and so it's kind of going to be an extension of our mentor program. So right now we have a mentor program um, and it's going to be kind of a more of a fellowship, so to speak, where we have like a, a solid group of students that we're able to work with and um, help as they uh, apply for internships. So yeah, those are the three exciting things to be looking out for both short term and kind of a little bit more long term. I think that that is super exciting. And I love that the mentorship um, kind of fellowship aspect of, I mean, I think that that is directly helping kind of those barriers that we talked about earlier that students may face when getting into the field. I love that that's directly helping them with that. It's wonderful. Yeah, we're very, very excited for the future. There's so many different possibilities. And like I said, there's just a, a great support and a great community behind us. And so, yeah, very exciting. Love that. So Deanna, how can our audience keep in touch with you? How can they stay in the know with what's going on with the Diversified Dietetics? Um, Where can we find you? Yeah, so we are primarily on Instagram and Facebook. So Instagram, we're at Diversified Dietetics. Um, Facebook is the same. Um, We have a Twitter, but we definitely excel more at Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) Um, But that's at DiversifyRDN. and then our website, yeah, is where you can subscribe to our newsletter. You can find out about all the different events that we have coming up. Um, you can take a look at all of our resources for students, professionals, educators. Um, and I know I talked a lot about dietitians, but, you know, we're really for the dietetic and nutrition field, broadly speaking. So even if you're not a dietitian or maybe not wanting to become a dietitian, but interested in the nutrition field, I would definitely say um, visit our website, join our community. Um, yeah, you're welcome for sure. Love that. And we will have all of that information linked in the show notes so that people can check it out. And I just have to echo, I mean, if you all haven't checked out the Diversified Dietetics website, it has a wealth of information there. There's a ton of great resources. So I highly recommend checking it out. All right. And thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so happy to have you here. Um, We will definitely have to do a part two where we also have your co-founder with us um, so that we can continue the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. We're excited. We would love to come back and do a part two. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for being on. (laughs) 